Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Living Fully. Ask and you shall receive. (laughs) So my most popular episode to date of the entire podcast is the podcast with none other than my dad, Gary Irvin, who happens to be sitting with me at my dining room table right now. So we wanted to do a follow-up episode because... I got more requests for a follow-up episode from this episode than I did any of the other episodes. Tens of thousands of people have listened to this episode, have tweeted things and Instagrammed things and Facebooked things, and it just really connected with people. It's so funny because my dad, just being the humble, just guy that he is, I was like talking to him about the podcast and some guests that I wanted to have on and how, you know, we thought that they would connect to this type of person in this type of episode. And he was like, well, how do you think they connect to a 60-something-year-old man climbing mountains? And I was like, you know, that's a good point. I think I said 60-something gray-haired with a big belly. <laughs> Something like that. That was really cool that that was my most listened to episode and I'm really excited today to have my dad again. And if this is the first episode that you guys are listening to, you should go back to episode three. We did an episode and it was called How Defining Your Summit. It was about defining your summit. Also, just a little backstory on my dad, really quickly in a nutshell, my dad at 60-ish decided he wanted to summit all seven of the tallest summits. It's the tallest summit of the mountain in each continent. So he has done five as of now, I believe. Right. I go for my sixth one tomorrow. So he leaves tomorrow to head to the other side of the world. And so I just wanted to get another one of these in because there were so many lessons that you guys really resonated with and he had just a million more. So we've got seven lessons today that all relate back to his mountain climbing journeys. He's now summited Mount Everest and multiple mountains, and he's just got these amazing stories and and life lessons. So the reason kind of behind why he started writing these lessons was I was pregnant with my son Ford when he started climbing the mountains, and he started writing these lessons to his grandkids. And that's kind of where these originated from. But the first point in today's podcast and thing that we're actually going to talk about and it has to do with why he started doing these lessons in the first place, is before you figure out the how, so in my dad's instance, before he figured out how to climb the dang mountain, you have to figure out the why. And I think that's such a poignant thing, and I think it's an amazing thing to start out with. So my dad, in his quest to find the why of why he was doing this, because he had to explain why he was doing it to a lot of people back home that were like, you got to stop doing this. So we were just talking about that on the couch. And I want to have my dad just touch on that a little bit and how it kind of just relates to everything in life that maybe you're looking at a, how in the heck am I going to do this? Whatever it is that's in front of you in your life, 
how you really have to determine that why. So I'm going to turn it over to my dad, and he's going to tell you the story behind that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, it, it kind of started in, uh, you know, I, I started this kind of journey. It's been since 2014. One of the things is, is I knew climbing these mountains really called to me. It was something that, that gave me great happiness and something that also was fairly painful. And people would ask me when I get back, why are you doing that? Why do, why do you put your body through that? And, and, you know, the trips to South America, what I did is every three or four days when I would write something in my journal, I would have two lists. And one list would be the why I did it, what I saw that that three days that was were beautiful or meant something to me, and then the why not, why not do it. And at the end of my trip, I made two trips to South America to climb Maconcagua, a 23,000-foot mountain and you know it was it was in early stages of climbing these big, big peaks i had to prove to myself why i was doing it not really prove to myself i had to understand the why and once you understand the why then you know how and you know that's a metaphor i guess what you're saying with with life you know how am i going to run a 5k you know you got to determine why you want to do it how am i going to quit smoking you need to determine why and and, you know, there's there's a lot of things. And my whys were, you know, the, the obvious ones, that the physical challenge, what it does for me mentally and physically. But it's also things like like God gave me this body at this age that I can withstand the mountain. And it's a sin if, if I didn't continue, if I didn't do it. And, you know, those are things that you kind of, like, like I was talking about in Everest after in a tent, with nothing but your thoughts, you, you really understand and you look deeper at why you're doing things. And, you know, I, I think people a lot of times do things on an impulse or someone tells them that this is the thing to do. This, was, this will, will make you happy. And I think in order to understand how you're going to do something, you need to understand why you're doing it. You're doing it, you're doing it for the right reason. Yeah. It's such an amazing point and one that we didn't really talk about last time and one that like now that this podcast is rolling and I'm hearing feedback, I think so many people, they forget to, to figure out that why. They don't know to figure out that why in the beginning. And I've actually like been reading a lot of books and listening to a lot of other podcasts and going to, you know, these seminars with these gurus and self-help people. And so many people talk about like how when you attach an emotion to something, how it's just unbelievable the way that it sticks and the way that you're able to, you know, withstand whatever it is that you're going to run into. I think it was one that I was recently at and they said, think about what you were doing on September 11th, you know, the year that the trade towers collapsed. Of course, you can remember exactly where you were, exactly what you were wearing, exactly what you were doing. But what were you doing September 11th last year? Like when you have, you know, emotion attached to something. So say, I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to clean up my diet and live a healthy lifestyle because it's a bad example for my grandkids or because my because I won't be around for my grandkids. That's totally different than, well, I got to get healthy because the doctor said or because that's good for you. Those are the people that they're going to quit before they get to the end. Or I want to look better or, or you yes. know, something that's, that's totally, yeah. you know, it's totally visual and you could feel better about yourself. That's, that's important, but. What other people think of you is is the least important yeah. of why you do things. Yeah. 
I love that lesson. And I love it. And I've, I've been like since my dad and I was started talking about the lessons that we wanted to continue this podcast on. I've been thinking about that one a lot because a lot of times you just jump into the this is my next goal. And you forget to really think about the why. You think that the why will come like as you're figuring it out or as you're already on the journey. But I, th- I think that's a great lesson and one that's really applicable to life is figure out that why. And, and the, the trick that I used was write it down. I had two columns, why and why not. I put a big list together. And then, and then you know, I, I wrote it over a two-month period. Yeah. And at the end of it, you know, it, it was crystal clear why I did it. And had I not wrote it down and I just had thoughts and wrote the positives and negatives down and I would have never probably seen it in total and and what the two-month process taught me as far as what the why's way outweighed the why nots. Yeah. So documenting it and like really being intentional and thinking about that. I think that's that's a great one. Okay, so... Moving on to this this lesson that we're going to talk about, I like it when he starts out with a story because each of these lessons that he wrote down, something happened on his climbs that prompted him to write this lesson or this this story. And this one happened on Mount Everest. It's lesson number eight. And it's the lesson that originated from when you fell into the crevice. Mm -hmm. So that lesson, tell the story first before we kind of talk about like falling into a crevice, it's so metaphorical with like life in general. So many people, you don't expect to fall into something, but you do. And the lesson that came out of that is a really amazing one. And I want to really start out with that one today. So Okay. <laughs> it's like what you're talking about. Where were you in 9-11? I, I remember exactly every detail of something because it was, it was, it, it was a shock to my system, but I was, in the ice falls, and it's a real fractured area of the mountain between Camp 1 and Base Camp, it's full of crevices, and you'll have a crack, and it would be two, 300 foot deep. And I think yeah, I was on my way down, and uh, I had a safety line that went, usually there will either be a ladder across the crevice, or if they're less than four or five foot, you just jump across. You take a running hop, and you jump across them. And there's, you're typically got a carabiner on a safety line that spans that crevice. And, you know, it, it, my, my lesson was don't look at how deep the crevice is. Look how far you got to jump to get to the other side. It's not important how deep it is. You're going you're gonna to die if you fall in it. Yeah. Un, un, and what's important is to focus on what you've got to do to get to the other side. Well, like I said, I was tired. I uh, pulled the safety line. I clipped, luckily, I clipped onto a safety rope, and I had it in my hand. And it was it was probably a little bit further than my ability to jump, but it was maybe four or five feet. And so I, I pulled the slack across, and I was going to jump. And as I jumped, I was going to pull the rope and glide over to the other side. And just in a lapse of thought, uh, the rope, the slack in the rope that I pulled across, I was clipped to tied around my foot. And when I went to jump, my foot caught, and I fell right straight face first into the crevice. I caught the wall of the other side, and I was sat there. I sat there 200 feet below me, dangling off of the safety line. And you know, I I had gone through training on how they call it slipping into the groove and how to get out. But I was just in such shock and worried about that small piece of rope that was tied to my harness that was holding me to the safety line. Mm-hmm. And that, that had been up there for months, and 
and how strong it was. And luckily, I was climbing with a Sherpa. And magically, I don't know how he did it, he got to the other side of the crevice, and he was able to drop a rope in, hooked my, my harness, and dragged me out of it. So I had help. But I guess the lesson was is I may have been focusing too much on how deep it's a long way down instead of how far I got to jump. And was careless with my rope and tangled up and fell right into it. So I guess the message is two things. One is focus on the important things. The important thing was for me to clearly get across that crevice. And then the second thing is sometimes we all need help. Yeah. I had a Sherpa there that was able to snatch me out of that crack into a bad situation. No telling how long I would have had to hang there before someone came by and helped me out of it. Or if I'd have been able to get a prussic safety piece and climb my own way out. The fact that I had help made it a lot easier yeah. for me to get out of that crevice. And, you know, we all fall into crevices from mm-hmm. time to time and we all need help getting out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that, like, yours was an actual crevice that could have, like, taken your life. I feel like so many, like, crevices that people fall into that you don't expect. You know, a mom that feels like she's let her child down, you can just wallow in that and think, oh, my gosh, you know, what's this going to do in the future and all that stuff? Or you can just think, how can I recover from this? How can I get to the other side and keep moving forward? Or, you know, the the person that's in debt that doesn't know how to get out and they feel like it consumes them and it inhibits them like making decisions. They feel like they're in a dead end job or whatever it is that they're making decisions in their every area and aspect of their lives because of that. Or like a person that's just gone out of a relationship that has to start over. You know, I just, I've heard so many comments and had so many people messaging me lately, listen to these podcasts and these are the types of things that I'm hearing and like crevices. That's just, that's why I really wanted to talk about that today because I think so many people fall into crevices, and I love what you just said. Like, you don't expect to fall in the crevice. No, no, you focus you focus on the negative or what the, the bad outcomes can be, and that's what happened in this yeah. case. Instead of me focusing on keeping my rope clear and getting a good foot and a good jump across, that would have been the easiest solution. But sometimes you look at how deep the crevice is instead of how far yeah. across, and, and that's what I did. That's a mistake I made. Yeah. In my last episode that went live last Monday, I was just talking about how a lot of people, I feel like they look to the wrong help to help them out of a crevice or to help them toward a goal or whatever. You had a trained Sherpa that you had interviewed before that you knew at your age climbing the mountains that you needed a person that was so knowledgeable in this in case something like this happened. And it's another lesson that when you choose the people that you're going to listen to, whether you're coming out of something or through something or just like need some guidance towards something, how you should choose the right people to help you out of something because a lot of people can keep you in the crevice. Right. Like I feel like some people, misery loves company, and some people, you know, they, they want to wallow in the, well, I'm down here, and they'll find that friend that'll sit there and talk to them and be like, well, let's drink two bottles of wine and talk about how it is down here. <laughs> like Instead of being truthful and saying you're in a crevice, you got to get out. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is too, is that person you really got to have a lot of trust in. Yeah. You got you to gotta trust that that person is out for your best interest. Yeah. And, and these Sherpas are, 
are just the most humble and, and dedicated friend that you'll ever have on a mountain. Yeah. And I, I trusted him with my life, not just that one time, but several times during yeah. Everest climbs. Yeah, I love that lesson. So then this next lesson, it came from his climb in Antarctica. Which mountain is it in Antarctica, Vincent? Uh, Mount Vincent, yes. Okay, so Mount Vincent, he talked about embracing the unknown and how negative 40 degrees sounds to a lot of people like straight-up misery. But to my dad, he finds it exhilarating somehow, and it gives him, like, energy and makes him feel alive. Same with, like, sleeping outside on a mountain in rocks, on rocks and ice. I I just feel like you talk about that a lot, how, yeah, don't let people define your success, and that was actually probably one of the most talked about things that we talked about in the last one, but also don't let people define pain for you or don't let people define misery for you and kind of how you can put your pain in perspective or your misery in perspective by really looking out and seeing it can always kind of be worse. You know, talk a little bit about that and talk about like, you know, how, how did this lesson come up? It was, it was, it was in the coldest place in the world. It was the uh, trip across from a glacier, Union Glacier, to, to the summit of Mount Vincent. And it's the biggest danger on it was uh, with the cold, the extreme cold. And, and you know, it, 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 I, I wrote, don't, it, it was kind of the first post after I talked about happiness and Everest, about how mountain climbing made me happy. And, and I think it's in, in how not to, defer happiness or not to let anybody define your happiness. It's the same thing with misery. You know, someone will say, well, 40 below zero, that sounds miserable. It it does sound miserable. There's a lot of things in mountaineering that aren't comfortable, but don't let someone tell you that. There's a lot of things that I've done miserable that I just found exhilarating. 40 degrees below zero with the right equipment on and to be able to survive, you know, weeks in that type of temperature was exhilarating. You know, I can, I can go without food. I can go without a lot of things. And, and I draw energy from, from what I see and, and, and it, it lifts me up to the point where it's hard to explain. And a lot of people sometimes want to focus on, on negative things, focus on the misery when there's so much beauty out there to 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 look at. Yeah. And and you know, if it's something like if you hit your finger and you think about it, you said my finger still hurts. It, there are other things you know, yeah. someone said, Well 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 slam your finger in a, the other finger in a drawer, it hurts worse and you'll yeah. forget about the one that's hurting it. There there's ways of masking the pain, the lack of sleep on a mountain, the things that are uncomfortable to where it doesn't bother you. Yeah. And my lesson to my grandkid was don't do something. Don't keep from doing something because someone told you it's miserable. Yeah. Go out there and experience it. Then if you go out there and say 40 degrees was really bad, I don't want to ever do it again, then you've experienced it and you know. So I guess my lesson for happiness and for unhappiness is is to define your own. Yeah. Define your own happiness to find your own misery too. Yeah. And it reminds me of, 
you said well ago that a lot of people, they want to stay in the misery. They want to talk more about the misery or the negative things that have happened to them. They almost wear it like a badge of honor. And while misery and pain, it teaches you so many things in life, you know, be able to move past that and like take the lessons that you've learned from it and move forward in your life also. I feel like you always say too that it's really easy to describe the bad things that happen to you while mountaineering, but it's really hard when people ask you about like the beauty of the mountains or the good things. It's like you almost can't put those things into words. Yeah, it's hard to describe the 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 walking out of Antarctica, the the, the you could see the curvature of the earth and it was, it was just everything was white, void of all all bugs life any anything but me and the two guys I was climb, climbing with and 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 it's hard to describe something that that just burned an indelible mark in your brain yeah. it's hard to describe that so, and if you tell somebody you've been on a mountain for 2 months without a shower or without a toilet they can say that's painful yeah. and, and it is <laughs> but but some of the things that i've seen way out masks those painful things. Yeah, and it's hard to describe those things. I feel like it reminds me sometimes of parenthood and like having a child because everyone tends to tell you, oh, just get ready. Or like, oh, you'll never go to a restaurant again or you're never going to sleep again. Or just wait till they're teenagers mm -hmm. and then they'll hate you. And then I always heard that like before I became a parent. And whenever I first had Ford, I like started talking about what I called like positive parenting. I was like, why doesn't anyone really talk about the amazing, positive, happy moments? But I kind of get it now because it's so much easier to describe lack of sleep. That's an easy thing to say. Or like how you can't go to a restaurant because they're screaming and they're throwing stuff on the floor. That's really easy. And it's very easy to articulate and talk about. And you can feel it when it comes back to you, what that exhaustion feels like. But like the moments of being a parent that are those amazing magical moments, like the ones you were just talking about mm -hmm. on the top of the mountain, it's like, how do you put those into words? Like, it's very hard. And it's, and it's, and people, it's hard for people to understand. It could be, you could be up all night long with, with Ford and, yeah. and it's a five minute, it's a five second smile in the morning when he wakes yeah. up that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. And so it's. It's the, the gratifying things are usually brief. And you know, I talk about paying attention because if you don't, you'll miss stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. If you're not like living in the moment or if you're watching somebody else's lives, if you're looking on social media and living through someone else's like illusion of success, it reminds me a little bit of that too. How, you know, a lot of people are looking at a photograph of someone. And they stamp that as happiness. Oh, my gosh, I bet that person's so happy. They're on the Greek Isles, like on someone's boat. But how I've I've taken pictures, you know, way back when or looked like I was really happy on the outside. And I really wasn't. It was really, there was a lot of pain. So it's easier to define misery. It's definitely harder to define those, like, shining, gleaming moments. But I think that's a good that's a good lesson in life is that... You know, you might hear about a lot of people's pain or misery around a certain thing, but until you experience it yourself, you don't really know. And, and the why and the how, too, that kind of ties back into that. You know, there have been people that think that climbing a mountain will make them happy or, or doing a challenge, and, and that's part of the why. If you get to the top of the mountain and you, and you say that's all there was, you didn't analyze the why. And 
and and you climbed it. You figure out how to do it, but the fact that you didn't know why you did it, you won't get true happiness yeah. by, by by not paying attention. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay, I really love this one. So this one, I believe, came from Everest also. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's where you say, I think it's a quote from somewhere, never be afraid to turn and run and live to fight another day. Think about the consequences, make your decision accordingly, and you will always have another day. Actually, I know it was from Everest because that was when you were 300 feet from the summit. The first time he climbed Mount Everest, he made it like 300 feet from the summit after climbing for months. And this is one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite lessons because in the culture of like, do this and hustle, hustle till you have something, hustle till you achieve this, sometimes the right answer is no. And sometimes the right decision is no. And how to logically quit or how to turn around, it's so hard, it's so humbling, but it's such an important lesson. One that might have saved your life on that mountain. It was in the Kuma Valley. It was in Nepal, but it wasn't Everest. It was this last trip. It was climbing a, a mountain called Island Peak. And I've been rescued four times. I've had high altitude pulmonary edema. I had pneumonia. I had uh, frozen larynx where I had to be rescued to, and put in the hospital. I had an injured knee. So I, I've had some. I've had points in, in, in time where I've been rescued and, and needed help. But this last one, where I, uh, it's a quote from a, a Roman senator named Tatticus, and, he, you know, he, the quote goes, he who fights and runs away will live and fight another day, but he who in battle is slain will never rise to fight again. And, and you know, I, I wrote that after I got rescued this last time. You know, I've, I've had to turn around twice on these mountains and I was able to get back, analyze what I did right and what, what I did wrong. And I was able to return and make it to the summit. And, and you know, that was a quote. I'm not made it back to the, the top of Island Peak, but that was a quote that I, I wrote to tell you to, to, to know when to turn around, to know when you've had enough. And knowing that limit, knowing where you need to turn around, knowing what is important in that decision to turn around, you know, in this case, it was pretty easy. It was, you know, it was my life was in danger and I had to make that decision. The first time in Everest, there were people dying around me and talked about the scars and the injuries, the scars internally of seeing things like that were, were reasons to turn around. You know, so it's a lesson. It was the very last lesson that I wrote on this last expedition about knowing your limits and knowing nobody's going to criticize you for saying I didn't make it. I turned around 300 yards from the top after after two months in Everest. You know, it, it wasn't, I said, there's no summit important enough for me to lose my life and not return home to my family. And a lot of that is knowing your limits, knowing when to turn around, turn and run. Yeah. And it's really easy when it's life or death, like it was on these mountains, but it might be harder for somebody listening that's you know, in a relationship that's just like making them totally miserable. It's, it's, it's not the right thing, but they feel like just like you, oh, I've, I've been on this mountain for so long. It's only 300 more yards. The rest of your life with someone or, you know, committing to someone in a relationship that, that isn't right. That's not a life or death thing, but in a way it is because no, it's, it's, it's exactly, it's the same in business. Yeah. Knowing when, 
you know, uh, it's like playing cards, Texas Hold'em, wanting to go all in. You know, going all in's either you're going to lose everything or win everything. And there's, you know, in relationships and your your personal financial situation, those are bets that you don't ever want to take. Yeah. Mountaineering, you don't want to take, I'm going to either live from this decision or die from this decision. Yeah. You want to make that decision and turn around way before you get there. Same thing in life and a lot of things, relationships. It's, it's knowing that point. Yeah. And knowing like the limits, the boundaries, you know, wh- whatever it is that you want to use that word to describe it. You can feel when it's time to get out of something. I hear from a lot of young people, too, that they say, you know, I'm unhappy in this job, but I don't necessarily know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And they just stay in that job. And I feel like, you know, in order for the right things to happen, sometimes you've really got to close the door to the wrong things and you've got to logically quit. You've got to turn around and open up space for in your case, you to climb another mountain. In somebody else's case, maybe another job opportunity or another relationship or whatever it is. But yeah, I feel like in today's day and age, everybody's just like, you can't quit. You know, you, you've just got to hustle, 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 stay up all night, you know, do this until you win. I don't necessarily think winning is always like completing the challenge. No, you, you, you learn, you, you, you go and Sometimes you get your butt kicked. Yeah. You learn from it, and you come back, and you you're successful the next time. Yeah. So uh, it's not go until you win. It's it's sometimes it it, it requires a retreat, yeah. rethink, and re redecide what how you're going to do it and get to the top the next yeah. time. I think that's a great one. So lesson number nine is the next one. We've got another point here from Everest, and then one from Nepal. We're going to close out with. Lesson number nine, it was from Mount Everest. And the first two people to climb Mount Everest were, what were their names? Hillary Edmund Lindsay. Hillary and Tenzing Nori. I thought one of them's name was Mallory. George Mallory was, he climbed from Tibet. Yeah, so. Okay. Well, the, like, leave your footprints where they'll last forever. You were talking about how, like, when... The first person climbed Mount Everest, climbed Mount Everest, his footprints disappeared like in seconds, of course, because the snow and the wind and the ice. And But how when he came down and he was the first person to complete this expedition, the things that he did with his legacy and with his life and with the, the charities and what his family did for other people, how those were the things that, you know, really lasted. You talk a little bit about that, and I really like that lesson for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, tell me a little bit about why you wrote that lesson. Yeah, the, the story was, it was right before you push for the summit of Everest, you do what they call a drop back. So you've been just, your body weight's down 15, 20%. At the time, I'd already lost probably 30 pounds. And you drop down to a lower altitude to recuperate for five days. And these five days, your Sherpa are putting the tanks up top and provisioning the summit for you to attack the summit. We dropped down to a little village called Namche. And at the top of that, there's three stupas that I climbed 2,000 meters to get to. 3,000 feet, I'm wrong. 1,000 meters. And the stupas were a testament to Edmund Hillary's family. I climbed with adventure consultants, which are New Zealanders. And Edmund Hillary's like George Washington. He's like the hero. And what happened is he, he received notoriety when he and Tenzing Nori, his Sherpa, made it to the summit. And 
And then after he did that, he and his wife and his daughter built a series of schools and hospitals that even today are still in existence in this very poor region of the Kumba Valley. And, and the, my point was, and, and the tragic part about it, his wife and his daughter, that monument was after a plane crash that killed both of them. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. And, you know, and he struggled after that with living with that, and he eventually recovered from the loss. But it was those things, you know, he's known in history for climbing Everest, but in that valley, the people that use those schools and hospitals, it's those things that made the real difference. And I guess my point in, in that lesson was be intentional. Do something that matters. Do something that will make a difference. You know, I, I think I used an example of this weekend. You know, mm-hmm. I sat and watched uh, the Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and binge watched it for a few sessions. And <laughs> and, and then me and, and Kyle ran a triathlon. And I said... That triathlon was something that was in, was was worth doing something yeah. in, instead of me benching out on the Game of Thrones. So my lesson to, to that is do something with that has purpose and do something that will make a difference. And, and you know, and, and I guess it's maybe I'm 60 now and what I look at when I do things, I, I do things that will intentionally make a difference and do things that will benefit other people. And I I look at that. Yeah. And that leads to this, another point about you wrote, be humble. You know, once you, you've achieved a lot of really huge things in your life and that a lot of people would, you know, they'd hang their hat on, but you talk a lot about how even after having climbed the highest point in the world, you still have problems telling people I climbed Mount Everest. And I want you to talk a little bit about that before we do this last lesson, because it's so interesting, because I feel like so many people, especially once they've succeeded at something that was something as big as climbing Mount Everest, you know, they really have, they love to like hang their hat on that. And they use that as like a title to define themselves or to introduce themselves to someone or, you know, they they just want to talk about how they did it. Mm -hmm. And you just talk about how, you really have trouble saying that you did it. Yeah. Well, there's two things. One is a mountain is the most humbling experience in the world. It can, you know, I, emotionally I've cried like a baby every time I reach to the top of one. The power and the, the energy that is, is generated from a mountain is just humbling. When you stand at the bottom of it and look to the top and say, how in the world will I ever get up there? It, it just humbles you, you know, to be you know, part of something and, and to be able to experience something like that. And then the, the problem I have is not as much saying I made it to the top of that mountain. It's the, the eye in that because I could not have made it to the top of Mount Everest with, without a team of people around me, without Sherpa carrying my oxygen bottles and staging them at the balcony and at the South Summit where when I got up there, I was able to get a fresh bottle of oxygen or fixing ropes across the Hillary steps, you know, and the leadership that I had with the adventure consultant guys, uh, Lydia Brady, the first lady to climb without oxygen and, and Guy Cotter, the guy who was the owner of the, the company and their leadership, you know, it, it, I feel, I feel guilty when I say I climbed Mount Everest. Yes, I did climb Mount Everest, but Without that team of people around me, 
And for me to say that without acknowledging that it was because I had help that I was able to make it to the top. I think that's in life, in business, I have the same problem. Now, I still work for a very successful company that I started with my brothers and and the employees that I have, you know, my, my family that supported me being gone while I was working for this, those are the things that you can't forget to to throw in to the fact that I built a successful company. I did an amazing thing. I was Miss Kentucky and runner-up in Miss America. You know, those are things that are important milestones in your life, but the fact that, that you had help getting there is something that you always got to remember. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, it also helps that person that helped you get to that point, the fact that you acknowledge and were grateful for their help. If you ever need them again, yeah. if you ever need that help again, they're always going to be there. Where if I say, I climbed it, I did this, I did that, they're not going to do that. They'll yeah. say, heck with you. I'm not going to help you anymore because yeah. you took all the credit and I carried your oxygen bottles to the top of that daggone mountain. Yeah. So the fact that I'm grateful for the help that I got also reassures that those people will help me again yeah. if I ever need it. Yeah. I've been saying that a lot just in the last month. This podcast has only been out for a month, but people tell me all the time how they, they really love it. And, you know, this thing changed their perspective on this or just has helped them so much. And I'm like, this podcast and like what I'm doing on this platform or any platform, it's all the people that listen to it. Cause I'd just be talking into thin air. If, if there wasn't this huge community around it, I didn't get the, the, to be the second podcast in the whole world on launch day. It's the people listening to it that got me to, to there. And I I think that's so important. And I love that lesson. And it reminds me of what Pawpaw says. My dad, my dad's dad, we call him Pawpaw. We grew up on a farm in Kentucky and he was in the middle and like all my dad's siblings were around, all my cousins, like we grew up on this awesome farm. And he always would say like, don't step on people while you're climbing the ladder because you never know who you're going to meet when you're coming back down. Because you really never know. You know, maybe you keep climbing your whole life, but maybe you don't. I mean, shoot, I've fallen so many times, I feel like, at a young age. And I think that's an awesome lesson and one that you certainly embody and exemplify every day. And the importance of gratitude. I've heard you talk of being grateful to the people who listen that make you successful. And I think that it's a gift that you give other people and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything to say, you're successful because of someone else. And I think that that's something that you need to pay back. And they do that in gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude's one of those like free passes that like will change your life. They, everybody's always like, oh, gratitude, gratitude. But it is so true. Like when you practice gratitude more, how it really is transformative and just opens the door to more success. Yeah. So lastly, I want to get to this last lesson because it's, I think, the only one that we've talked about from, actually, no, we talked about one more from Nepal. But I love this one from Nepal, and I want you to tell the story behind the photograph that you were just telling me about, that this came from. But you said the lesson was balance where you came from to where you're going. And I really love that for so many different reasons. But I want you to talk a little bit about that before we talk about it. Well, it was, 
you were talking about balance and what created that lesson. It was, it was packing for my last trip to Nepal. And what I do is it's a deliberate process. I put everything on a ping pong table in my basement. <laughs> this is then, so true. And then I, I pack it in bags. And then I, I got, I think about it. I got to carry all this stuff for the next two months. And then I unpack it back to the ping pong table. And if, if there's something that I can absolutely live without, I get it and I'll cast it aside. And the, the balance came from, I looked at the stuff that I cast to the floor and there was a pair of old boots that had, had made it to the top of several mountains and they were faded, had holes in them. The soles weren't real good. And, you know, I, I said, it's, I need to carry those boots because they got me to the top of a lot of mountains. And I said, that's, that's kind of the, the, the parallel to life is, is balance where you came from with where you're going. And I was sentimental. I didn't carry the old boots. I carried the new ones because I, I didn't want to lose any toes. And uh-huh. the new ones had better tread, no holes in them. So, so I chose to go with the new. But my message, I think, think about before you cast something out that, that I said it or they have got you to the top of a lot of mountains. Yeah. And, and be loyal and be sentimental about a relationship that got you there or or a piece of equipment that had had value. But also don't be afraid to, once you've evaluated the balance uh, of the sentimental value, don't be afraid to, to make that change. Yeah. And I think, too, like, how bad would it have been if you would have just drug those shoes up the mountain with you that you couldn't use on that next journey? <laughs> how much weight that would have added to your journey if you would have carried that baggage that you didn't really need. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people do that in in life. I, I've done that before. You just carry the baggage of something that happened in a relationship or something that happened with your boss at work or, you know, some sort of failure that you made in school or in, you know, parenting and so many different things. You can learn from that thing. You can be sentimental about the negative or the positive that it brought into your life. And then you can find the tool or the equipment that serves you best for the remainder of your journey instead of dragging that with you (laughs) the whole time. It's funny, the analysis that mountains and things that I've learned and and how they'll plug into something else in life that you just mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. It's just like you said, balance where you came from to where you're going. There's, There's so much that you can learn from your past, but you can also hang on to your past and you can live in the past. And it prevents you from moving forward. So I think it's balance is the exact right word. That's what you said. Mm -hmm. You know, balance it. You've climbed a heck of a lot of mountains and a lot of continents all around the world. And every mountain's different from what it sounds like. I've never been on any of these mountains, but Kilimanjaro is a heck of a lot different than Vincent. It's a heck of a lot different than Aconcagua and Everest. And they're all kind of totally different journeys. And it's it's like if you applied the exact same skills and brought the same equipment to each of the mountains, you wouldn't be equipped for right. that journey. Right. So I think that if people in their lives, if you're bringing the same set of tools to how you manage your office, to how you manage your household and deal with your children, it's, it's probably not going to work. Or if you try and speak to your spouse or treat your spouse like you do a coworker, it's not going to work. Or, you know, so many things in life. I think I do that sometimes. 
you forget, you, you forget to separate things, the differences in this mountain to that mountain, the differences in so many different hats that we wear in life. You really need different tools and different, sometimes you toss out the old tools and you need to assess, you know, what's working talking to this child or what's working in my, in my job and what's not. And I think that that's a valuable lesson just in life in general and in climbing all the mountains that we climb in life. What's harder, climbing like life's metaphorical mountains or real mountains? <laughs> I don't know. Life is as unpredictable as a mountain and the yeah. weather. And, and you know, it's, there's things that you can't predict or, or cause. People and relationships are complicated in business. There's always things that are outside of your control that can happen. And it's those uncontrollable things that, that are the tricky ones yeah. that, that, that make it interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one thing I can control is who I put on the other mic with me on these podcasts. And I'm just super glad that I have someone, not only that, like I know, but that raised me, <laughs> that you guys have really connected to the advice from. And you guys have really taken to heart a lot of these life lessons. And, you know, the whole title of this podcast and the reason that I started it and my brand, Living Fully, was truly to you know, give tools and tips and tricks and speak with people who truly are like living their lives fully. And what I really love about my dad and all of his journeys is how he balances out, you know, the the good things with the bad things, the hard things with the easy things, the successes with the failures. And I think that these lessons from these mountains are just a continuation upon that first one that we did that people love so much. So I appreciate you guys listening so much to this. And thanks so much, dad, for coming on. And you guys can go to GaryClumbsMountains.com if you guys want to see these lessons in their entirety. And he's got some really cool pictures and, and video and, and all of these lessons. And in that, and I'm going to leave it in the show notes. But thanks so much, Dad, for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me back and maybe a couple in, into next month, I'll be back with another story from my experience in Indonesia. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>